Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello, my fellow trolls, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast, a podcast about pop culture and zeitgeisty things. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and hello and good morning, or as I learned from some of your Spotify wrapped commentary, uh, good night. I learned a lot of you guys use this to help you fall asleep. So for those of whom that's the case, sweet dreams, my sweet babes, you're going to have the best night's sleep I am so glad that my voice can help lull you to sleep. I, I'm serious. Like, I'm I'm not here to just, you know, stare silently into the void. I'm here for I'm here for company. I'm here for distraction. That's what I want in my life. So if I can provide that in your life for a brief moment, great. Gravy. We're 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 in business here. Um I'm coming at you this week with a Patreon exclusive. Uh it was from a few months back. It's uh it's it's covering a trifecta of evil, the axis of evil, if you will. We've got Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and Dr. Drew, um, two of three of whom are potentially the greatest stains on Oprah's legacy. Um, she unknowingly created these monsters, and we have to live with them today. Um, I thought that they were bad um, they were bad people before I did this episode. Um, but then I did the episode and found out that they were worse than I thought. <laughs> so we're going to do a deep dive on all three of the those buffoons. Um, you guys know the deal with the Patreon. It's $5 a month. You get an extra episode. Every now and again, I like to crack open the circle of trust for a fleeting moment and let you in. Um, you know, and... Uh, there will still be a regular Patreon episode this week. Uh, me and Sammy P are doing a little exclusive Q&A on like our lives and on like, you know, all your burning pop culture questions. So that will be out as usual on Wednesday. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me put out uh, an older episode um, for the Patreons. Thanks for um, bearing with me for not having a new episode this week. Uh, I know I was also off last week. Um that's because I have a rotating cast of people in my life whose help is not good and that I'm doing my best to take care of. Um, yeah, I, like things are sometimes a shit show behind the scenes. And I, I do really like telling you guys what's going on. Like sometimes it's not my story to tell. So I just have to kind of like let the shit show like run its course. Um but just know that while that's going on behind the scenes, you guys are you guys are lifting my spirits up. Like you guys are such a ongoing good thing in my life. And this is a project that brings me like so much joy and satisfaction amidst the like drudgery of life. Is this really depressing? Like I don't know. I'm not like a I'm not like a holiday kind of girl. Like you you guys know this. Like I have I've talked ad nauseum about what a Grinch I am. So like, I I don't have a gauge on like for the people who like love the holidays. Like, are we supposed to be merry for the month of December? And like, for those of us in the Northern like hemisphere, how do we reconcile that with it being dark at like four o'clock? I mean, at least for us up North, like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, how joyous, <laughs> how joyous are we supposed to be? 
somebody, I, it's a real question. Somebody let me know because I'm not trying to be such a downer, but I also can't resist my troll nature. So yeah, let me know. Um, and that's about it. We're going to get into the episode. As always, uh, if you're liking the episode, if you're liking the show, like, uh, no, you can't like it. Oh my God. <laughs> like and subscribe. Um, subscribe. Uh, share the episode with a friend. Uh, rate it. I see your guys' ratings. You guys are lovely. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Sam. And this is It's Become a whole thing. We didn't re- we didn't practice that, but you guys probably couldn't <laughs> tell that. I didn't even tell Sam I was gonna do that. So we just like I thought, fun and spontaneous. I thought you were gonna finish it up by saying podcast, but um that's okay. Well, we can we can work on it. Yeah, you're right. You're we right. we need we need more fun gimmicks. Um, we need uh, a name for our listeners. We need a soundboard. We gotta step our pussy up. Yeah, Pussies. sorry. We're about to get a. <laughs> we're about to get a lot more annoying. <laughs> I'm actually not joking about the soundboard. I am in the works to get one. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll get on I'm board gonna, with it. I'm gonna be a menace. Yeah, you sure will. The f- one of the, I I want like so many clips of Tyra in her ANTM days. Yeah, yeah. Nothing will be stopping you. No, but I was thinking about the logistics of it, and I was like, I could just spontaneously do like throw a soundboard sound at you. But like, what do I do with my guests who like I've just met them? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I soundboards I, are a I, private. I can't thing. like, yeah, I can't like, bip, 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 like in the middle of them talking. <laughs> you could, you could warn them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to be professional yet fun. Yeah, I feel the line. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's also yeah. scary. So yeah, you don't want to scare anyone. <laughs> it's funny because one of the sounds that I want is tired. Going, how many of you were scared? Yeah, I was really scared. (laughs) (laughs) I love that sound so much. Me too. Me too. And it applies to so many situations. Um, You know what? You know what TikTok sound I love that I don't know where it's from, but have you heard the one that's like, get up, cocksuckers, it's all over? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I say that to myself like a hundred times a day when I've just been like slumped into a dissociative lump for too long. And I'm like, okay. All right, all right, all right. Get up, cocksuckers. It's all over. We're going, you know, like, <laughs> gotta get going here. I don't know who said that, but they're my hero. I don't know either. Um, I do know the origin of this clip. I can't stop saying it. Whenever more than one thing doesn't go right, I go double homicide. <laughs> and damn. it's like from a really inappropriate clip. Yeah, damn, double homicide. <laughs> it's from like a really traumatic story. I just saw the origins of it. And it's not good. It's like someone, ooh, should we cut this? Is someone talking about her abortion? And I was like, oh my God, I've been laughing about this and not knowing where it came from. And then someone I, else goes double homicide because it was twins. Yeah. I, I'm like, do I need to stop saying it in my head? Uh-oh, I guess 
Probably. I've discovered so many horrific things like that. Like that clip of, um, you know what? Let's just move on. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Yeah. Let's mind erase ourselves and yeah. our audience. Um, yeah. How are you, Sammy? Who, me? Um, easy breezy. Yes. You. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the, the pressure, the pressure is getting worse I'm feeling the pressure at work, but I'm telling myself that like only like September is going to be like a really busy month. And then October will sort of ease up a bit. So each day I tell myself like this pain isn't forever. This too shall pass. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Just keeping it pausey. And you should add that when you look down in the sand and there's only one set of footprints, I am carrying you, me, not <laughs> just me. <laughs> I know you, you have, you have been carrying me and I'm, I'm grateful for you. Oh, uh, thank you. You've, <laughs> you've carried me many a time. You have cleaned out my squirrel piles many a time. I don't know if we've told our listeners about my squirrel piles, but when I don't know what to do with an object, I just shove it in a little pile and I hope it goes away. And I, I usually do it like where it's like out of sight, but Sam yeah. knows my ways. And so she knows how to like, she knows where to like pull something out and then knows that there might be like eight more things behind that. Yeah. Like I, I think piles is a bit generous. Like it's more of a cache. Like you like to find like a little hole or like a space between like a piece of furniture and the wall. I know that's your favorite. <laughs> Like where the bookshelf and the and the wall don't quite meet, that's where I go looking, and I'll pull out like unpaid parking tickets, like <laughs> important oh mail, God. treasured, priceless objects from your past, mixed in with like literally garbage. And another fun thing, that I sound do- like I sound so unwell. I mean, I guess that does come from a place of being unwell because I just want it to go away. I'm like, well, if, it, if I can't see it, then it's not there. <laughs> Another thing that you do that's, I think, so unhinged is you'll like go to, I don't know, let's say a weekend away. This is what I, the story I make in my mind. And you'll grab yourself a tattered plastic grocery bag. And in that grocery bag, you'll throw like a necklace, a lip chap, a pair of underwear, a bathing suit, um, 20 loose coins. Like, and then I'll find like 50 of those bags. And I'm like, I, I literally could not imagine throwing a pair of earrings loose into a plastic bag along with other things and then bringing that somewhere like, and then bringing it home and just throwing it on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all fun and games. We love it. We love to laugh. Well, speaking of fun, this is another reason why FabFitFun has changed my life. Um, again, not sponsored, obviously. Um, (laughs) I don't think they'd want me at (laughs) They don't want to associate themselves with a brand like this no and because it's the patreon i can say that i've kind of semi-scammed them a few times so like i'm probably on their no-fly list but anyhow they have changed my life because i always thought that there were just like i thought that all these little tiny bags you could have i mean like kind of like like a felted zippered purse i thought that was just like a tchotchke that you had laying around that you never used but they've sent me a few in the boxes and now i use those for different items or categories of items so I have one for toiletries one for like you know tech like cords and things and I put them all in their own little pouch it's so powerful really to have a place for everything and everything in its place I hear you saying that when I'm getting frazzled and trying to organize my things a thing for everything and everything in its place 
just for context list dear listeners sam is so on the other end of the the spectrum that you don't even you don't even get stressed by moving you're like moving is a delight you simply get to pack up your things and reorganize them it's so (laughs) fun why would anyone not find this the most fun thing you could possibly do well i guess i've had like i've only ever moved to places that i want to be so i'm like i made this choice this is something i wanted i'm upgrading and i'm excited It would be different if it was like a tragic move, I think. Yeah. No, I've moved to places I'm very excited to move. And still the stress is like, I would say a normal societal level of like very stressed about moving, you know? Yeah. It is often listed as like the most stressful experiences people can go through in their life. There's like divorce, you know, death in the family, uh, moving is up there. Yeah. I think maybe that's why we're able to carry each other because we are completely unbothered by like completely separate things yeah so like (laughs) we lose it at different times that's right yeah absolutely um yeah no I'm so happy to help you with your squirrel piles anytime and I can't help but notice we didn't find the time to get around to my yard work on this trip but don't worry I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities in the future (laughs) I feel so guilty about that, guys. Like, my only my only strength in life is heavy lifting. Like I can just be a brute force. Anything that requires like thinking about where to organize things, where to put things, like compl- I completely malfunction. I can heavy. I can just like lift a pile of stuff from one end of something. To yeah, another. you're very very strong. And I have a few delicate friends, such as yourself, who like use me as their strong person for like tasks. And I love it. I'm like, I can finally be of service. And so that was like my one promise to you on this trip. And I didn't fulfill it. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you for apologizing to me on the air. I think we can move on now. (laughs) I'm not moving on. I will move on until I come back, even if it's in the winter, dig through the snow to that pile of leaves and move them. I just see you back there soaked in sweat, digging through 30 feet of snow. When I make a promise, I keep it. <laughs> yeah, I could see you like pushing one of those old school like plows like through the snow, like a yak. <laughs> I would love a plow. I would love to play around with a plow. <laughs> I, need, I need a farm, but only for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where the animals will only get brushed and washed and they won't have to do any work or have to provide anything or be killed. I know all of those, like, do you see those farms on TikTok where it's like rehab farms where they just get to like save them and they just run around? Of I'm course. Like, how, I'm like, how do you get your funding? Cause that seems relaxing, but probably it's actually really stressful behind the scenes. Oh yeah. They probably I- deal with so many tragic stories. Yes. And they have to fundraise constantly to keep food in those animals mouths it's it's not it's not an easy calling but wow those people are like literally my heroes I know sometimes I can't even watch them because I think about the other animals that weren't saved or that I ate because I'm not a vegetarian (laughs) (laughs) okay okay now we said we'd stop talking about animals for a long time at the beginning oh my god we need a we need like a a jar with where we put a coin in every time we talk about animal science yeah I thought for some reason you were gonna say we need like a jab like we need to get like someone to like shock us or, or jab us a, <laughs> or a soundboard right screaming at us maybe. like we need the hook to like pull us off stage and we're like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah should we should we get on track 
Yeah, with- let's get on track to our unhinged fucking topic for the day. Yeah, we are going to air out some incredibly dramatic queens. They are thirsty, they are desperate, they are unprofessional, and they are the celebrity doctor trifecta of Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and Dr. Drew. Charlatans, quacks, snake oil salesmen. I use doctor in the loosest possible. In the most disrespectful way possible. Yeah. I'm actually, I think I I might, may just have to refer to them by first name because I'm like using this, like even Dr. Phil, it's like, okay, he has a doctorate in psychology. Sure. He hasn't had a renewed, he hasn't had a valid license since 2006 as a psychologist. He's not my doctor. So I shunt be calling him doctor anything. He's he's Philip to me. (laughs) Yeah. He is a doctor the way that Countess Luann is a countess. You know, they're (laughs) not anymore, but it's a brand. That's so true. (laughs) Yeah. And Countess Luann isn't making any tall promises besides like entertaining people for the night. And she does that. Yeah. Some people deliver on their promises. Some people don't. Yeah. Dr. Phil. Oh my good God. Where do we even, where do we even begin? Um, Maybe we should just like start with just like the basic facts. Um, I mean, maybe before we get into the specifics of these people, we should address the elephant in the room, which is that two of these three monsters were brought forth to the world by Oprah, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, she, uh, obviously we stand her and the content she's created, but she doesn't pick winners typically to be like her little successors, but Oprah's cashing a check off of things these people did probably up until quite recently because she was the producer on on their shows right yeah they're probably they're staying on her legacy but they're also like you know they're helping to um they bought her some vacation homes yeah they bought her some organic gardens in hawaii probably um but it is it is definitely i would say one of like the worst things that's come from her legacy yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dr. Phil, he holds a doctorate in clinical psychology, as we mentioned. Um, he actually met Oprah in 1995 when Oprah was being uh, sued for libel by the beef <laughs> beef industry <laughs> in the Amarillo, Texas beef trial. And he was her legal consultant um, on yeah, this trial. So- so this guy, this fucking guy, w- was he a lawyer? Why did he own a legal consulting firm? And why was that firm called CSI? <laughs> well, I'm sure. No, but I'm sure like psychologists have to be involved in cases like you have to. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure if you're a rich person and you're being sued, like I'm sure you want to talk to like a forensic accountant. I only know what that is from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like a psychologist, uh, just like, like some, like a whole team of like any expert you can to like add something to your case, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, he worked side by side with the most elite lawyers from around the world and the most high profile cases in the history of jurisprudence, says his Juris- bio. Jurisprudence. <laughs> Love that. Uh, <laughs> LOL. Um, yeah, and like I, I do actually remember this case when it was happening. I mean, I don't know. I guess 
I don't know how young I was. I mean, but I was an Oprah girl, like through and through, you know, I've, I've said it many times here. That was my after school watching. Like that was my after school show from like age 11 to probably 17, 18. So totally. And not only that, but we grew up in the shadow of mad cow disease. (laughs) (laughs) We sure did. We sure did. Mad cow disease for any of you kids over here. Like you don't even know the chokehold it had on our conversation. I remember going to England and like, I went to this exhibit and like, they made us walk over this like pile of hay that it had been like sprayed with stuff in case we had like mad cow disease on our feet. I don't know how that, I don't think that sounds like suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a fever dream. But anyway, in 1996, this was on everybody's mind. Oprah said on her episode that she was like, damn, mad cow disease scared me and it stopped me cold from eating another burger. And this had a historic impact on U.S. beef prices. <laughs> it did. They sank within two weeks of the show's airing. They, it sank and then it hit this like all-time low. Um, and the ranchers turned around and they were like, "This, it's Oprah. It's the Oprah effect. Like, to be fair, the Oprah effect actually was kind of, I thought oh, it was yeah. real. Oh, like, Oprah could be like, I love these socks. And they would be sold out with a waiting list of 10 years. And then she could be really, like, I hate these yeah. socks. And people would like kill the maker of those socks. Like it was yeah. crazy, but she's still allowed to say if she doesn't want to eat a fucking burger. So whatever. But we know from liable, trying to understand liable in other episodes that it's a slippery beast. Yeah. And power move. She had to go uh, to this trial in Amarillo, Texas. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Amarillo, whatever in this part of Texas. And she moved her whole show there for the month. <laughs> I love that. Like didn't skip a beat. Didn't say anything about it because she wasn't allowed to, but it's just like, yeah, we're filming in Texas for a month. Like moved her, like recreated the whole set there. Love that. Um, <laughs> they probably had to like construct a building for it there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, that's just a side note in this tale. Um, it's just, it's just funny that mad cow disease brought together this unholy union, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, it spawned, yeah. Without mad cow disease, this butterfly effect. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't Dr. have Dr. Phil's chokehold. Dr. Phil's <laughs> reign of terror. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was on her show uh, starting in the late 90s. And he was on, I think, up to like 60 times. He was on, or maybe, oh, no, sorry, I'm getting that mixed up with Dr. Oz. We'll get to him. Um, but he was on the show a lot. And then on it so much that he started his own show, Dr. Phil's show in 2002. And as of 2002, that then became an additional show in my daily after school viewing. It would be Oprah from four to five and then Dr. Phil from five to six and then dinner time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. A healthy diet of information. So, (laughs) yeah, it started, it started off. This is the one thing I'll say to defend him. It started off kind of pretty legit. I agree. It devolved. It, it, it devolved from more similar very to Oprah quickly. to more similar to Jerry Springer. Yes, very quickly. But in the beginning, it seemed kind of like legit. Yeah, um, it was just an offshoot of Oprah about more like psychological topics. But but yeah, then, you know, his trashiness really saturated it over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is like a little comment because basically people were like, I think they complained to the California Board of Psychology because of him calling himself like Dr. Phil and like, you know, saying he's a psychologist on this show. And they determined that he does, because he didn't have a, um, a valid license at a certain point in the show, 
Uh, and they, they, they determined that he does not need a license in that state because he does not practice psychology on his show. And I know that that's just a neutral statement that they made, but it feels like shade to me, <laughs> like subtle shades. Like, no, it's, this is not relevant because this is not psychology. And I know, I, I think they're saying like, he's not people's psychologist, but still like there is no psychology on this show. Well, it's psychologically harmful. <laughs> he like gets That's people true. up there and then actually like really harms them. So he is a discredit to his former area of study. Yeah. Besides inflicting trauma and creating more work for other psychologists, there's no like, there's no like psychological help being offered on this show. No. Um, I didn't know that he launched The Doctors with Travis Stork, former Bachelor. Yeah. Like um, he's like a nesting yeah. doll. Like Oprah birthed him and he birthed Travis Stork. It like it it feels like some kind of like MLM <laughs> pyramid scheme of like doctor shows. But yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, Dr. Phil started a production company and yeah, um spawned the doctors. And I kept looking at like all the awards that were given to just all these various cast of characters. And I was like, wow, this is truly this is the truest marker of how mentally unwell we were in the 2000s. Um the doctors won a won a daytime Emmy Award for outstanding talk show slash informative um in 2010 and was nominated eight times in total for Emmys. Like I guess like I, I think I think the daytime Emmys is a bit of an easier category to be fair. <laughs> like <laughs> like in terms of programming that runs in the middle of the fucking day. Like I don't know if you read this in that like Dr. Oz takedown in the New York Times where they were talking about this fake viewer Shirley. <laughs> no. The, the producers were like the producers of the show would like pressure the doctors that worked for the show who were their job was to vet the information that the producers gave them. And they were constantly pressured to like, if they vetted the information and it came back, like, this is not helpful. This is not true. They were like, whatever, we're just going to air it anyway. And they'd be like, think about Shirley. Shirley is our viewer. She's um, an, like an older lady who's late, uh, whose kids have left the house and she has all these problems like obesity, back problems, um, maybe diabetes, things like that. She doesn't like exercise because she likes watching daytime TV. Okay. Like we need her in front of the TV all day. So think about what she would want to hear. Oh my God. Shirley is their target demographic. Like, (laughs) I mean, I never watched much of the doctors, but I can't imagine they were like, like any less of a gong show than Dr. Phil. Yeah, I've seen like some clips because like Jax Taylor went on. <laughs> I've seen from Aaron Carter being on it. <laughs> yeah, also like need I'm to like... add to that coin jar whenever I mention Aaron Carter. <laughs> Animals, Aaron Carter, what else? <laughs> Probably just Vanderpump Rules as a whole. We'll be millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like they'll have D-list reality stars on to be like, I had a staph infection or like whatever. And or in Aaron um, Carter's case being like, well, I was addicted to meth and then huffing and then various other drugs and now I'm good and I've been good for a while so my haters can stand down (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so moving on to (laughs) Dr. Phil's you know horrible reputation (laughs) yeah his Um, his methods (laughs) 
The uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness calls his conduct unethical and incredibly irresponsible. Um, other critics have said that his advice is at best simplistic and at worst harmful, ineffective. Like and, yeah. and to that, and to that, Dr. Phil said in a 2001 Sun Sentinel interview that he never liked traditional one-on-one counseling. I'm not the hush puppies pipe and let's talk about your mother kind of psychologist. Oh, I was praying you were going to slip into his Texas drawl there. <laughs> a pipe? What what psychologist <laughs> yeah. has a pipe? Was he studying people in the 1940s? Like, what is the frame of reference for this? Yeah, and when he says hush puppies, like, does he mean the shoes? I think the, does shoes. He mean- I think the shoes. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Okay, imagine, like, just his, like, he's like, I'm not like the other girls and the other girls are smoking on the job, like with a client with a pipe. Well, that is des- like, he's describing Sigmund Freud himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's like, he's like, most people aren't him, but okay. He's like, like, I could never be him. <laughs> like by doc, by 2001, smoking was banned indoors. Was it not? Yes. It was. It's a weird quote. Like, and to think that that's how he, th- he's like, oh, I'm part of the new guard. I'm not like Freud who's practicing. Also, I also love how it's like, I'm not the let's talk about your mother kind of psychologist. Like, what are you talking about then? <laughs> if you're not talking about our mothers. No, but like, no, but like saying that I w- I'm not the let's talk about, like. I'm oh, I know. Even- I know. But it's just bizarre that he would reference somebody who died in 1939. Like, it's like, yeah, of course you're more modern than this person. Like, I should hope you'd, you'd be a lot more modern than someone who would make that stupid quote. But anyway. Yeah. All those people that are obsessed with your childhood trauma. It's not about that. It's about getting up, putting a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he was always trying to slap some sense into people and be like, yeah. well, I think you're just a shitty person. <laughs> Or he'd be like, have you ever just thought about the other side? Just not doing that? (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever thought about what you're putting your family through? Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's his like vibe. Um, Not like super credible. Uh, I say now, yeah, let's go through some of his like uh, notable infamous moments. Like... (laughs) his like wall of shame here of his like all of his I don't know whatever the opposite of an accomplishment is um he's had so many I had to filter out (laughs) some of them like many more like minor controversies um but the first is notable because it was before his rise to fame so he's always been someone who's like been in hot water and had questionable practices this was in 1988 the Texas State Board of Examiners and Psychologists um, determined that he hired a former patient for part-time employment, but they cited a possible failure to provide separation between termination of therapy and the initiation of employment, basically like implying that there was overlap between the the person being his patient and his employee, like his, which is like so weird. Um, and they also investigated claims that there was uh, inappropriate contact initiated by Dr. Phil towards the patient. Um, but he fulfilled all the board's requirements of whatever the fuck requirements were happening <laughs> by the Texas board of psychologists in the eighties. Um, and case closed. Oh, so, yeah. What a surprise, a sexual harassment claim in the eighties that, you know, you have to just do a little checklist to be cleared of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I know. I'm sure. Like he just had to like fax over a, a letter saying like he didn't do it, and it's or all good. E- even if he did, who cares? 
yeah it's like whatever we've all done things you know yeah you've done things, I've done things uh yeah um the second one I had not realized this but this we're gonna go like fast forward to 2008 he visited Britney Spears in her hospital room did you know about this I remember her him trying to use her name for clout he literally visited her in her hospital room. Disgusting. Um, and it was an attempt to get her and her parents to take part in an intervention on the Dr. Phil show. And apparently, like, it was as she was leaving, but she was, like, packing up. And he's like, hey, just, just in the nick of time, I'm here. Um, and then he made this public statement. He, made, he did this ET exclusive and said, my meeting with Brit- Britney Spears and some of her family members this morning in a room at Cedars leaves me convinced more than ever that she's in dire need of both medical and psychological intervention. She was released moments before my arrival and was packing when I entered the room. Oh my fucking God. Imagine packing in a, like a psych ward and you're and like the fever dream of fucking Dr. Phil with his like camera crew or whatever shows up. Uh, it, it is like, a nightmare within a nightmare who let um, him in <laughs> I, I know what kind of fucking I, hospital is this some fans of dr phil she was released moments for my okay yeah we visited for about an hour before i walked with her to her car i'm very concerned for her oh my god he followed her out she's like packing dealing with like untold trauma that we're still unraveling today and he's just there like in the corner he's just talking. there being like Get on the show. Come on, you and Jamie and Jamie Lynn and Lynn, the whole family. All the Jamies, all the Lynns. Um, I'm just a Southern guy. You're a Southern family. Um, yeah. Dr. Also, his his hubris in thinking that the Spears family would go on Dr. Phil. Like, please. Like, they would do Diane Sawyer. They would do Oprah. But they're not doing Dr. Phil. Like, come on. He was on his high horse. Like, he had a... I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know if he had like a good reputation at the time. But yeah, he's never gotten any big celebrity names at their height. No. And then the, this is the most ironic, like Lou Taylor quote, who came out after him and said, "This is another example of a trust being betrayed. Rather than helping the family situation, the celebrity psychologist caused additional damage." Like, yes, Lou Taylor, but like. Wow, spoken from the devil's mouth herself. Yeah, when the devil herself is saying that, like, you're betraying the trust of a fragile family, like, oof. Yeah, yeah, she's like, hey, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, and she's, like, hanging up the phone and then getting on because Britney Spears used, like, two packs of sugar in her, like, tea that morning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you guys all know Lou Taylor was one of the key players in Britney's conservatorship and best friends with all of her family except for Britney. Yeah. To me, like I, I say Chris Jenner is the devil all the time, but like to me, Lou Taylor's the true devil. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so the next lawsuit that Philip got himself involved in um, was in 2016. Um Actually, he filed this time, him and his wife filed a $250 million defamation lawsuit against the publishing company that owns the National Enquirer and Raider Online um, due to them publishing an interview from a former patient who had accused Dr. Phil of sexually assaulting her in the 80s while under his care. 
I wonder, like, it's not even worth wondering if it's the same patient who filed that original complaint because my thought is like, if you are depraved and unprofessional enough to do that type of thing once at work, like you're doing it all the time. Yeah, I I almost think it's someone else because it says the uh, abuse allegations were made against him first in 2003. Okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe so, they mean that it was a different lawsuit, but but yeah, either way, he's he's a creep. Yeah, like doing it once, doing it a dozen times, it's like the same. It's like it just puts you in that category. Like you cross the line once and you ruin someone's trust, and so yeah. He so he not only de- denied the allegations, um, but he sued the newspaper that published uh, this news for two hundred fifty million dollars. Um, and the lawsuit was later dropped on mutual terms. Um, yeah, yeah, and this is really just uh, the beginning of his lawsuit karma. I can't believe this is a, two- a piece of news from two thousand and twenty-two. Like this year, around a dozen current and former members of Dr. Phil alleged they experienced verbal abuse in a workplace that fosters fear, intimidation, and racism. Seven current employees also claim that the show's guests are manipulated and treated unethically. It makes sense that it would be news in 2002 because Ellen, the downfall of Ellen started in 2020. So it seems like I imagine this is like a ripple effect from that. Mm. Right. And another piece of news from this year was that our girl, Bad Baby, a.k.a. Danielle Brigoli, a.k.a. Cash Me Outside Girl, who capitalized on her moment of Dr. Phil fame and turned it into a rap career and then an OnlyFans career. And now she's like, what did you say she makes a year? She makes $50 million. She made $50 million in 2021 off of OnlyFans. Like, she should be she should be hosting TED Talks. Like I, I tip my hat to her. Absolutely. So she's wise beyond her years and she's a boss babe and we stand. <laughs> yeah, we, we have no choice but to stand. But anyway. Absolutely. So yeah, she was on the like, show. Also, like her music is really catchy. I'm sorry. It is. I haven't given it a chance, but I want to. I want to more than anything right now. <laughs> but you probably the thing is like. I realized, like, I looked up a song that I was like, oh, this is a good song. It was her. And I was like, there's a lot of mainstream tunes. I'm sure you've heard her music. Yes, I agree. Yeah. On TikTok and stuff. Yeah, totally. She's an established artiste. Yeah, like, Gen Z, like, loves her. Like, she's, like, cool to them. And this one millennial, me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The the coolest millennial. (laughs) The youngest Mm. millennial in the world. <laughs> That's me. I'm just I'm just a baby. Anyway, um yeah, she yeah, so anyway, I'll, I'll let you go on about so she was on baby. the show with her mom. That's how she had that moment and that show was like a wayward youth get sent to, you know, baby boot camp show where she got sent to Turnabout Ranch, which is one of those Utah-based therapeutic boarding schools that we've heard about in the news lately where they often probably always are like abusing kids sexually physically beating them dropping them in the woods abandoning them all kinds of fucked up shit like and have their phones gone monitor their letters to their family like very similar to uh, the one that paris hilton went to yeah 
So, and they're all in Utah. Is this just like a Utah industry? Yeah, there's like some law, some like loophole laws in Utah that allow them to get away with like more brutal punishments and things like that. They're like no beer over 2% alcohol, but you can beat teens in the middle of a field with no phone. <laughs> yeah, like, like let's oh. let's be reasonable here. <laughs> Priorities. Uh yeah. So she sued Viacom, Dr. Phil, and CBS. Um, co-sued with another former guest of the show, Hannah Archuleta, who was also sent to the ranch. And after this, Dr. Phil stopped sending kids to Turnabout Ranch. So great. I remember constantly hearing him send people to Turnabout Ranch. Like literally anyone under the age of 18 who was on for any reason, he'd be like, well, guess what? We're going to, it's your day this is going to be a changing day in your life. Like we're sending you to turnabout ranch. He would do it he, all the time. And I was just like, Ooh, horse therapy sounds fun. No, not fun. <laughs> right. I forgot it even it says horse in the name there. It's like equine therapy. Like, yeah, but it's, but the, but the horse just like kicks you in the face. <laughs> yeah. The horses are prisoners too. Like <laughs> oh, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, it sounds overall um, horrific. But yeah, Bad Babies is a badass. And she w- like spoke out against him and was like, you have 24 hours to respond. <laughs> I love that energy. Yeah, um, she's become a folk hero. Like, anyway, um, yeah. we, we really have to blast through some of these to get Oh moving. my God, there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> Um, go ahead and yeah. ran, run through some of these. I mean, there's just, there's more, you know, about how horrific um, his producers were to everyone. And like people, people came out of working on this show and said that the show destroyed them mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, they make you feel like you're not, this is a direct quote. They make you feel like you're not worth anything every single day. You're told how fucked you are, how horrible your work is. Yeah, you're indispensable. Um, so they don't fire you. And they said, you know, former employees are encouraged not to book guests of color and the show takes advantage of people with mental health issues. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. And I remember when Bad Baby had her rise, I I read a think piece talking about how Dr. Phil capitalizes off of basically the novelty of like white teens acting out. Like all, there wasn't just Bad Baby. There's like a whole ton of, kind of like almost like girls gone wild like maury style teens and they were always white and it was sort of like it's now okay and like to put them on display because it's like and also the novelty comes from like this is unexpected like this is not what you would um imagine these like suburban white teens like doing Hmm. that makes sense um yeah I believe it I I was like so disconnected from Dr. Phil by this by the time she went on like I don't know what his guests were doing or what his show was like but if he was capitalizing on badly behaved white teens I I believe it yeah I mean it's not it's not that much of a reach and like them saying you that that he takes advantage of people with mental health issues it's like you don't need to do an investigation for that um I think the worst one of the worst and most egregious incidents of this was in 2016. Um, really, really sad. He interviewed Shelley Duvall, um, who was clearly, clearly like 
completely unable to consent to being recorded, um, very far gone into deep mental health issues, very confused even about where she was. Um, and yeah, and for background, Shelley Duvall was the star of The Shining and her background along with Stanley Kubrick and the, the way he treated her like ruined ruined her. Yeah. And and the the interview was so uncomfortable that um Vivian Kubrick had to speak out against it as well and be like please stop exploiting this woman and like what happened to her on on set and yeah. yeah. She's like my husband may have created this but don't film it. That's really wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. I know you're a shining head. Actually, I'm not sorry, but I know that I, you're big. It's you're one of my favorite fan. movies. Yeah. I don't think it's okay. right to abuse your actors. I just want to go on record. Okay. Let it let the record know. Um, okay, um so oh, go on. I sorry, it's just I wanted to correct you that Vivian Kubrick is Stanley Kubrick's daughter. Okay. So she said that's it. My you dad, said wife. My da- my dad might have tortured actresses, but how <laughs> dare you film them? Yeah. Um, okay. So that's like some of his many controversies. Um, but I want to highlight some of his accolades, <laughs> which like, once again, this just shows how unwell we were as a society in the 2000s. Um, in 2006, he was invited to give a president, the presidential address at the 2006 annual convention of the American Psych- Psychological Association, where he received the APA's presidential citation for highlighting mental health issues to more Americans than any other living psychologist. God, so thirsty, so desperate, so pathetic for the American Psychological Association. Um, yeah, very desperate. Um, speaking of desperate, like as if he hasn't like made enough money off of like being on screen for so long he also runs i didn't know this he runs a telehealth um or platform so he started this in 2012 um called doctor on demand and it offers psychological services i guess like better help but like dr phil version um and it's been going since 2012 but in 2020 they like greatly expanded their bandwidth and pool of their therapists and it's just like of course, like, and of all the terrible things that we've heard about telehealth, like organizations like BetterHelp, it's like no surprise that he's got his, <laughs> he's, he's dipped into this pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's like a capitalist in an industry that really should be a public service industry. And that's well, why he's evil. And yeah. Or not even public, but I just like, I just don't, I think there's like a role that telehealth can play, but I think that the way that it, it expresses itself now, it's like just people relying on like tech, getting the odd text from some stranger. I, I think is actually actively harmful. I agree. And I just don't think it should be making anyone any money. Like whatever. I'm Canadian. I'm a socialist. And it's fucking insane for Dr. Phil to be like investing and making money off of people needing doctors so desperately that they're willing to do text appointments. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's like for the people that want an easy cash grab. Yeah. Hate him. Um, And also, according to his first wife, 
he's abusive. Yeah. Like shocking. I didn't even know he had a first wife in the shadows. Debbie McCall says he was domineering and would not allow her to participate in the business says she was confined to domestic duties and instructed to begin lifting weights to improve her bus line. And then he cheated on her. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, she, she did not get with the program. Like, unlike Robin, Robin <laughs> was there every day waiting in the audience. He'd walk off, maybe holding hands. Like Robin defines the word snatch. <laughs> she is so tight. <laughs> like she has been lifted and yanked and pulled in every which way and her bus line is i'm sure more than acceptable <laughs> tight yeah she's been nipped and tucked like yes mm, okay i want to refrain from like making too many judgments on people's appearance but like i just i before i even knew like what plastic surgery was i remember just seeing that like tight tight face i mean like something looks a little uncanny a little off something what's going on here yeah, I'm just not surprised that that's the wife. He's like, perfect wife, you know, just someone freshly facelifted at all times. Everything's lifted. Freshly um, lifted and just waiting there while you do your job, just smiling on the sidelines. I mean, yeah. Hey, Robin's got, got her bag. Yeah, she, oh, lives yeah. in a, she lives in a beautiful palace, a, a tastefully decorated home. So <laughs> she has a great life. And that's what I want to talk about next. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... I was obsessed with this story when the house came out that he owns that was for sale. That is the most insane fucked up hellscape Jumanji haunted house filled with satanic dolls. I I can't, it's like unbelievable unless you see it. Um, It will be in the episode description for anyone who's currently driving. I need you to pull over immediately and like pull up the article of like what his house looks like. So you can like, look look at it along with the sound of our voice and know that we're not exaggerating like yeah it's okay so the the thing is it's not his house that he lives in it's his son's house his adult son um that he bought for his son and his son ruined it like it's literally a 5.75 million dollar gut job it's yeah it's horrific the the banisters look like twisted dead snakes or branches or someone compared them to like those people who grow their fingernails like eight feet long (laughs) yeah you walk and you walk in and that to you see to your left the stairs is when you first open the door you see a bar right in front of you and then you see the gun room to the right all visible like from the front from the foyer yeah and then so your eye just skips over certain details like on the left there's the dead tree with big lips on the top and a hanging koala figure oh wait. Oh, wait can i do oh my god can i do share screen can i can yeah high, high tech for the people that are watching this on the video yeah this- you should let's let them see the dolls and all the ak-47s live and in person mm-hmm. okay yeah because this is like I, I mean, you sent it to me and it's still, it haunts my nightmares like all these <laughs> years later. Yeah. I, I One of my favorite things is the art piece of the teddy bear with a fucking pom-pom on his dick and it just says, fuck. <laughs> okay, I can't do share screen. Yeah, I have to quit oh, doing restart and we're just, guys, we're doing our best out here, okay? 
yeah sorry but um all the art is scary every room is unsettling the gun room also has like yeah it has like um well it's not solely a gun room is it it's the dining room living it's the dining actually that is a very important detail it is the dining room and (laughs) there's a formal dining room space there are maybe like 20 assault rifles on display along with some like very expensive looking like ceramic kind of teddy bear sculptures yeah yeah everything's painted black it's just uh it's jaw-droppingly bad like it's like rich people need to be stopped it's like the fever dream of um it's like the fever dream of someone who just breathes in like republican values and cocaine totally oh my god it has such a dark energy about it like it it has the spirit of like tainted cocaine in there yeah because imagine like you're having dinner with your family and it's like it becomes like a tense meal and there's just like surrounded by guns yeah and they're they're real they're real guns they were it was confirmed (laughs) so Oh, I assumed that. I do not <laughs> yeah, think that there's like prop guns. They're not messing with that kind of stuff. No, those guns are ready to be used if need be. But no, Dr. Yeah, Phil and these, Robin live in the exact kind of house you would imagine, like a Tuscan. <laughs> yeah, no, these are the type of people that like fantasize about someone breaking into their house. So they can like defend themselves. Yeah, totally. They want to live in like an action movie, but also yeah. a horror movie. Like it, it is very much tim like they were going for like tim burton but like it didn't work out like it's really bad yeah like um looking at like the pool pool table room there's like um the legs of the pool table are lions and then they're kind of like white and blue and then there's white paint like splattered on the floor like it looks like if you dropped a paint can underneath all of the legs of the table but i guess was meant to be like this whimsical artistic design yeah kind of like the lions are melting into a pool of milk yeah they even have this little hanging egg chair which i love those they're cozy and meet my sensory needs and even that looks like sinister it looks like a bloody pod like a weird creepy and it's like facing some really creepy art um yeah imagine like oh my god i'm just I, i'm continuing to scroll and looking at the art on like i guess one of their living rooms and there's all these like it's like sinister it's kind of like um disneyland and hell there's all these like weird little piece of art and then just a pink pink neon sign that says hello there i know <laughs> and that's what tips it into a horror movie for me like a, you could film a horror movie in here where you, like you would have to do acid and spend 24 hours in this house literally this would cause the worst acid trip all of the like textures in this house are like twisted and cold and hard and rough and like it's all just like the most appalling colors of like neon grape purple mixed with like a charcoaly black like it's so dark sided <laughs> yeah and if it's like if you had to do acid like you you'd like take refuge in the bedroom and like hug a pillow and there'd be like a gun underneath it <laughs> 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 then you turn around and the pillow is just a scary figurine staring back at you like everything is as scary as it could be yeah yeah it's a yeah it's a bad trip so um as much as we had a lot to get through in this episode this needed to be talked about it's not talked about enough right um should we move on to 
our next thirsty boy? Yes. Okay. Let's get to the Republican of my nightmares, Dr. Oz. They're all Republicans of our nightmares. Like, all. seriously, they're all like and, men's rights activists. I mean, like, what what says Republican more than like a wall, a dining room wall of AK-47? Um, but yeah, Dr. Oz is an actual, like trying to be an actual poli- Republican politician. So yeah, he's the, he's the king of that category. Um, but before, but before that day, let's go back to the beginning. Um, Mehmet Oz was actually, I think of all of these, um, professionals, he was the most highly esteemed. Like he had the biggest fall from grace. So I cannot believe his accolades. He graduated from Harvard. He did his residency at Columbia. Um, he's a retired cardiothoracic surgeon and professor of surgery at Columbia University from 2001 to 2018. It, how, how the mighty fall? Like, Well, I think how, he probably got a God complex from all this, you know? Yeah. Once again, flew too close to the sun. Yeah. Like he was just like, ooh, it's like $10 million is good. Imagine what $500 million would do. Mm-hmm. He's like, wow, I'm so smart and so good. I'm almost like a god. <laughs> I'm, it's almost like people should watch me every day in every yeah. TV and in, in all like, the land. Like anything I say turns to gold. And like I should just like climb and climb and climb right to the sun. Yeah. And he's still climbing. Um, but we'll get to that. But his origin, once again, began with Oprah. Um, she had him on the show in 2003 and he went on to appear over 60 times. I remember him being on a lot. He was very charming. He's a very charming man. Like he just genuinely has charisma. Um, in 2009, Harpo Productions, Oprah's production company, launched his show, The Dr. Oz Show, which ran for 13 seasons until January 2022. Can't, could not believe it. Yeah. Made him very rich. Yeah. His net worth is estimated to be between 76 million and 500 million. Wow. He sounds like a secrets. made up number. Yeah. I don't think it's 500 million, but well, TV people can get fucking so rich. If you get syndicated, I, I don't even think it's secrets. I think, yeah, there is just like so much money in daytime TV. And I think a lot of people try to break into it um, and have like a one kind of like lukewarm rated season. But the people mm-hmm. who do manage to like actually tap into it, it's like how many people are like at home all day? Like there's a lot of people mm-hmm. in in America. Yeah. And, and then the and then you sell them your shit. Like once they trust you and once they watch you every day that's when you start dripping in your MLM. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with Dr. Oz. Um, He, I guess this is kind of like, yeah, um, jumping ahead a little bit, but he, in 2018, that's when his Republican self really came out to shine. Um, Trump appointed him, on the president's council of sports fitness and nutrition and biden fired him um (laughs) on twitter when he was first appointed he said 
clearly Joe Biden can't be around anyone who doesn't completely fall in line with its fear-mongering, authoritarian, one-size-fits-all COVID handling. I am proud of my service and will not resign. Um, this is foreshadowing for what we will later discuss <laughs> of him breaking into the political world. Um, anyway, shortly after Joe Biden fired him. Um, and that is just, I mean, <laughs> it's like in line with his long history um, of bullshit. So I, okay, I was kind of confused because I always thought that he was just directly selling weight loss pills. Um but it was sort of, it was a bit more indirect. Like basically his image and his quotes have been used to sell many late weight loss products. Um, so he himself wasn't directly involved in these scams, um, but he has many statements that were exploited by scammers. Well, he wasn't involved in scams, but he had stakes in some of the like shit he would push on the show. And especially what was just especially irresponsible was his fucking green coffee bean extract thing that he said was a magic weight loss cure for every body type. And he hyped it up so much on a show. He was like, you guys will literally not believe this. Like, this is a discovery that will be talked about for years to come. Like you've heard of this. He, he said, he said it made you lose belly fat. I remember yeah. him saying that, which is like every pop-up on like a shitty website it's like false promises it's obviously not true yeah um so he had to face a senate hearing on consumer protection in 2014 um where senator claire mccaskill said the scientific community is almost monolithic against you um you shouldn't air these segments you know that weight loss products on weight loss products because they're later cited in advertisements you do play a role, intentional or not, in perpetuating these scams, and they're concerned that you are melding medical advice, news, and entertainment in a way that harms consumers. Like, obviously, every show is going to want to like razzle dazzle every segment and be like, "This is the thing that's going to keep you alive. This is the thing that's going to make you thin. Like, this is a huge discovery that you guys will not believe." But like, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, you can still. Yeah, you can you can be like kind of overly enthusiastic for a bit without making false medical claims. Um but yeah, I mean he, he was out there making these wildly incorrect claims and influencing another reality star, Donald Trump, um who like he was watching all this happening. He was watching the Senate hearings and watching him like basically get off scot free and just keep doing what he's doing um and that's how he plucked him and brought him onto his council um but it makes perfect sense when i look at like all the other things that um dr oz was promoting including the use of hydroxychloroquine an anti-malarial drug as a cure for covid19 um and he said it on more than 25 Fox News broadcasts in 2020. Um, he also conveniently didn't disclose that he owns $630,000 of stock in two companies that manufacture and distribute hydroxychloroquine, um, Thermo Fisher and McKesson Corporation. So lovely. Him and Trump and Joe Rogan are just... <laughs> All, you know, great minds think alike promoting this is the cure. 
Yep. Um, uh, some more of his double dipping. He was a member of the board of directors of the supplement company Pantherics and owns a stake of a million dollars in the company. He and his website promoted several of their products without disclosing, without disclosing his financial stake in the brand. He also promoted unproven liver supplements from MLM Usana Health Services while not disclosing his compensation relationship with it. Um, yeah, born and bred what, what, MLM's girly, as you say. <laughs> yeah, he's an MLM girly for sure. He's like, hey, mama, like, do you want to work? You want to make your own money and be your own boss? Like, yeah, um, he's he's messaging people on Facebook. Hey, girly, how have you been? <laughs> hey, I saw your photos you posted recently. So cute. Love, <laughs> your kids look great. Anyway, um, I have this great like <laughs> green bean I wanted to tell you about. Um, okay, here's what I don't get about this whole like. I mean, he's promoted so many like pseudoscience related things, but like in terms of the hydroxychloroquine of it all. What is the Republican logic? Because their whole isn't their whole thing like we don't want to give our money to big pharma. We don't trust big pharma. Um, but like they're promoting this anti-malaria drug made by a pharmaceutical company. Yeah, and what's weird is that in this like New York Times takedown piece, like where they contacted him about this issue, he they like his rep kind of like doubled down. And this is their statement. Dr. Oz believes it was truly unfortunate that COVID-19 became political and an excuse for the government and many in corporate media to control the means of communication to suspend debate. From the start, therapeutics meant to help with COVID-19 were regularly discounted by medical establishment and many great ideas were squashed and discredited. So like he's kind of saying it was a great idea, but it's been proven to be completely not (laughs) long before this quote was made oh so maybe it's like they are down for big pharma but like if biden says it then they're like this is a democratic scheme like it's like it's like the when you see those bills where it's like please don't kill as many children and the republicans are like no (laughs) like it, it makes no logical sense at all like it's not effective i guess because it was cheap or because they wanted to say so i maybe because this faction of people wanted to present a solution that was alternative and they kind of hopped on the first thing that someone said might work. And there was kind of hope like extremely early in the pandemic that maybe this will help, but it was just quickly proven not to help. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it was one of like, it could be like its own episode of all of, (laughs) the different things he's promoted that have been proven false. Um, But there's actually even a study done by the British medical journal about just how many things were false on his show. They found that 15%, this was in 2014. So I'm wondering if they did an updated study now of what it would be. Um, But they found 15% of his recommendations on the show were contradicted by evidence and another 40% had no evidence to back up the claims made. So over half of the claims were either proven false or had no evidence. So I'll say false. Um, Like if you're saying it can like cure people, including saying apple juice had unsafe levels of arsenic and cell phones could cause breast cancer. Yeah. He's just out there saying stuff. He's just out there saying stuff until January, 2022. (laughs) Yeah. 
And now he's trying to be a Republican senator. So like, watch out. He might be like fucking making laws. <laughs> yeah. And I guess if he was on Fox so many times, like I guess Fox viewers like need a little break in the day from like the 24 hour Fox News viewing, maybe. So it makes sense like how he could have a viewership. So I was like, who's watching this? Old Republican people. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's who he is, I guess. His transition from the sort of family-friendly Dr. Oz show to Fox News is was kind of surprising to me. I mean, I haven't followed him that well that closely, but I was kind of like, damn. But he's just in his villain era. <laughs> he sure is. He was in his like <laughs> esteemed doctor era from like the 80s until 20 like 2010, maybe. Um, it's interesting because um, I, I read a lot of like open letters um, by reputable like university hospitals like McGill and all these other like big organizations of doctors being like 30 doctors from our university have signed this letter, like speaking out against him. Uh, and Columbia actually never spoke out against him, but they quietly removed him from their website. And I was reading about that, like they were, they were guessing that perhaps um, if they had made a statement in the middle of him like starting to get involved in politics it could be seen as like trying to uh, like tamper with elections um but they just quietly scrubbed him from their site where he he's a professor emeritus which i think is like supposed to be for life yeah they had to delete the pics from their instagram (laughs) like like, oh they're like yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't used know to know her. him, but yeah, he's really ooh, gone off the deep end in the last few years. Good luck to him. <laughs> um. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do we not want to address like the elephant? To me, the elephant in the room of Doctor Oz is like all of his. A lot of his pseudoscience things are things that like we've actively engaged in. <laughs> I just have to call ourselves out for a second. Okay. Okay. We can. We can touch on that. We can touch on that. We got it. Because if we're gonna read these these scammers we have to also read ourselves he has given a platform to psychics and mediums who talk to the dead um guilty we have as well we love psychics who and mediums yeah um he he's had faith healers on the show reiki i remember seeing that episode we've also paid them um petals unproven or disproven medical treatments i'm sure i've tried this and that as well myself (laughs) but I draw the line of anti-vaccination activists. Well, I mean, for me, I, I think I get less and less spiritual all the time. Um, and there's a lot of things that I've given money to in the past that I definitely wouldn't now. But at the same time, I think mediums and psychics is something that I'm always going to like dabble in. It's so fun every now and again. Yeah, it is fun. And uh, that's one thing that I do applaud him for having on his show. But maybe yeah. it shouldn't be on, on the show of a medical doctor. Yeah, and maybe he shouldn't be selling Dr. Oz's homeopathic starter kit. Probably not. No. <laughs> um, okay, now that we've aired ourselves out, let's get back to roasting this pool um, for his political career. Do you want to take it away, Sammy? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so he's the Republican nominee for 2022 U.S. Senate election in Pennsylvania. Um, Some of his views are he is anti-abortion, pro the overturning of Roe v. Wade, pro fracking, opposes a gun registry. Uh, Wow, I'm reeling from those, but okay. 
Um, initially, he praised Anthony Fauci as a pro, but upon running for Senate, he did a little flip flop and now says Fauci is a tyrant. Well, said, that's the thing, Sam. It's so much worse than just him believing those things, but it's the fact that he was on record, like not that long ago, speaking for all of these things. Right. So he's he's not only a little weasel who's looking for a cash grab; he's a little flip floppy, spineless baby. Yeah, uh, completely lacking in integrity. Um, so yeah, he, he then said about you. <laughs> He called him cowardly for not taking the bait to get into a doctor to doctor debate. I'm obsessed with being like, you coward. <laughs> he is he's a hair away from challenging him to a celebrity boxing match. Absolutely. Um, so in 2017, he co-authored an article that highlighted the threats of climate change. Uh, but then when he was running for Senate, he downplayed the risk that carbon dioxide poses when contributing to the greenhouse effect. He said, Carbon dioxide, my friends, it's 0.04% of our air. That is not the problem. Um, okay, I love Queen. how they, like, they always become scientists when it's time to like argue the facts. They're like, they're like this little grain of rice in your stomach. That's a full child. Uh, carbon dioxide, that's just air. It's science. Literally <laughs> science. <laughs> He's he's pathetic. Um, back in 09, he said it should be mandatory that everybody in America have health care coverage. If you can't afford it, we have to give it to you. Um, but in 2022, he said, actually, I'll vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act um, and backed Medicare Advantage Plus, which I can only assume is some sort of privatized or two-tier system. Nightmarish. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah. In 2013, he made a speech at the National Governors Association meeting and urged governors to pass laws allowing for employers not to hire people who smoke cigarettes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so he's been dabbling in <laughs> pseudoscience and controversial beliefs for a long time. Yeah, he's like, he, he's like, you know, who we should be discriminating against <laughs> in a big way. Cigarette smokers. smokers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 2010, he supported transgender youth and their families on his show. But in 2012, he faced criticism for hosting a guest who supported conversion therapy. And then he he said, "Okay, I'm opposed to conversion therapy. It's dangerous. I'm sorry." Um, and as a Senate candidate, he has endorsed enacting federal protections of same-sex marriage. Okay, so a bit of a gay icon. No, but then not again, a gay icon. No, because then let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> but then again, he supports legislation to prohibit trans people from participating in sports that are divided by gender-based categories rather than sex-based categories. Um, the only thing Republicans—they're like the only thing they're more obsessed with than thinking about like people's genitals and like what what they look like and like where they go—is like fucking sports like trans they're like what about sports you're gonna like and specifically like track and field in like high school and under like children and then they get into the olympics and like it's it's just such a false problem like we're not inundated with problems as a society of like people of different genders or or sexes competing in in sports like don't we have bigger issues that we're facing but the, it, well, this is just it. It's made up. Like they always focus on these like made up issues of like trans yeah. people attacking kids in bathrooms it has never happened, um, or like them 
winning gold in sport in every sports category. It's like, yeah, trans people sweeping every single sports category and just bullying like cis kids. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're busy just like trying to live their lives slash fearing for their lives, unfortunately, too much of the time to like, like be like training (laughs) and plotting like what? Anyway, just Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so he says that transgender youth movements are based on false science. He doesn't fully support a ban on hormone blockers, but he says that the doctor and family should decide rather than politicians. I mean, ending on a bit of a neutral note there, but he's far yeah. from a freaking um advocate. <laughs> yeah, not everything he's ever said has been incorrect we can say that yeah um god what a what a sad journey for him um i just have a random aside which is that his daughter daphne oz is really glamorous and has served as a fashion inspo for me as a size 10 blonde woman for a long time uh i love her gram i love that she's she just has this air of being really wealthy and all her clothes are really expensive. And she just, I just love her beauty. Um, that's it. <laughs> I I love that journey for you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, great. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye on his political run or we won't. I don't know. Maybe after we're done recording this, we'll like scrub ourselves clean of these freaking this freaking bunch um we'll see but uh yeah i want to move on to our final and i would argue our thirstiest boy in showbiz the thirstiest of them all dr drew who as i was learning about his life i realized that he always dreamt of being a star (laughs) he's getting the star is born edit (laughs) he really like that's that's really him like he was one of those i'm sure he's one of those people in high school like i'm gonna be something someday um based on his trajectory because any chance any chance at having his voice heard he has taken it from day one um he's been nothing but consistent with that um i'm do do people know who dr drew is like i'm so well no one knows him as well as you do (laughs) For fuck's sake. I, I'm so far gone into the world of like pop culture that I don't know like who's mainstream and who's not sometimes. Um no, but yeah. I think I think he's niche, but why don't you just tell me your impressions of him after watching him for many seasons on Celebrity okay. Rehab, etc. Basically, anytime there's like a super busted Z-list bunch of celebrities that they get together, Dr. Drew will be there, like hanging in the wings. Either he's running the show himself or he is like a guest doctor psychologist um he pops in to give like wisdom and like help them through their struggles so we're talking like celebrity celebrity rehab celebrity uh relation marriage boot camp like anything of that nature like he is there but how does he come off like is he helpful is he professional is he judgmental what what's he like um he comes off the same way that like anyone who's a guest on The Bachelor comes off. You know, like, they just have, like, random kind of stars being like, here's a relay race, and we brought in comedian, blah, 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 like, to run it. And they're, like, they're just, like, they just say things that are kind of, they have little funny quips. Right. Like, like, it's just, it's exactly that, but, like, without the comedy, like, he's, like, 
we're gonna really like talk about your childhood like I don't know but it's like yeah but like people must be trauma dumping uh, you know and he has to handle that and do you think he's as a decent job at his job no okay no I mean the fact that he would even sign up for these incredibly like exploitative shows like just shows that he's not he doesn't care about them like he he like all of his interviews with Farrah Abraham but he did like I think he had her on for some of his shows like that wasn't because he was like staying up at night like worried about her right I guess I just think like there is a potential world where we could have a show about people's problems that could help people watching I help people watching maybe I just think that like revealing your traumas on tv and that's the whole show is about that I think would any like benefit you would gain from it I think would be counteracted by how harmful it would be to have like random trolls and like all these people knowing like your worst things that ever happened <laughs> like the worst things that ever happened to you yeah yeah I hear yeah you know it's not great to put to put your whole traumatic history on display for the world to see but in he most comes cases off, he, comes off as, like, he comes off similar to how like dr phil and dr oz came off in the beginning just like a level-headed doc expert person all right you let's know? get into him okay um, well, he was the medical director of basically like a rehab facility um, in Pasadena, California. And the first recorded instance of thirstiness was in 1984. <laughs> While he was still a medical student, um, he appeared on a radio show in an Ask a Surgeon segment, which is just funny because he was still a med student. Hopefully he told his listeners that at the time. <laughs> um, he was on like a myriad of other radio shows. But then he was just also on like anything. So he was <laughs> he was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune in 1984. He served as the quote health and human relations expert on the first season of Big Brother in 2000. And then he hosted like this is I guess his more reputable moment. He was on the Discovery Health Channel in the 2000s with the show called Strictly Sex with Dr. Drew, and then hosted an MTV series that sounds horrifying called sex dot 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 with mom and dad horrible title <laughs> uh yeah they were going for the shock and awe factor but it's like not the good kind <laughs> i don't like it um that's from 2008 to 2009 so the show aired for conceivably more than one season um horrifying to think about <laughs> and then in 2008 that's when he started his reign as um on his show celebrity rehab with dr drew his reign of terror <laughs> yeah oh yeah because like yeah it's like when he's on wheel of fortune he's like harmless but when he's like he, and the other thing that like the damaging effects of this is that it's all celebrities that like don't have any work other than being on this type of show yeah they're so forcing like, themselves to like degrade themselves in, in a way to make money yeah and so not only did he like run this show where they were like, I guess in theory, trying to create a rehab facility in this like mansion with cameras everywhere and like all these gimmicky little, you know, segments. Um, he also created a follow-up show called Sober House, unrelated to Summer House, um, which began. <laughs> 
No relation. Um, <laughs> no relation or Winterhouse, um, which began its first season in 2009. And so he got together all these celebrities for the first two seasons of Celebrity Rehab and then put them in a, quote, like, sober living facility as a show. Which is just Big Brother with fucked up people. <laughs> which is like, yeah, it's like, hey, did you like that little check we gave you from Celebrity Rehab? Well, we got a new show. We'd love to see you back. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, he also had spinoff shows, Sex Rehab with Dr. Drew, um, Celebrity Marriage Boot Camp. Wait, 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 wait. Sex Rehab with Dr. Drew with celebrities being treated for sexual addiction over the course of three weeks at Pasadena Recovery Center. I I would like to watch that show. <laughs> I need to know who Sam's was in that cast. Addiction. Sam, sex addiction is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not. I, I hear say stories. This, I say this as someone who has watched all of these shows, I think, except that we have. Like, Maybe we should any- watch it together. <laughs> Just like virtually. <laughs> Can we watch it for the Patreon? Like, oh my wrong? gosh. I no. mean, I okay. I'd like to check into it is all I'm saying. Um, I'm so sorry. I have to look up who's in the cast. So no, I think we do. Dr. True. No, we really do. Oh, sadly, I don't recognize a single one of these people. Really shocking. I it mean, wasn't like, it, wasn't, it wasn't like Brad Pitt <laughs> or like Leonardo DiCaprio talking about his dating issues. No, I, I have never seen a single one of these people before. So, so celeb- I'd only got one season. Yeah, celebrity might be a bit of a stretch. I was like, damn, who would be willing to go on there and talk about their sex addiction? But on TV if you have a sex addiction please seek help but (laughs) yeah um yeah and don't go on any show hosted by dr drew um he this is like um he has many more appearances um on various shows uh but he like one of the like really unfortunate things that he did that really highlights just how like horrific and manipulative he's been throughout his career is that he's had multiple instances of dragging Courtney Stodden into into the circus. So the first one was in 2011. He had her on the show called Life Changers. He brought her on, sorry, that's now them. So he brought them on when they were 16 years old and hosted, like conducted an on-air ultrasound of their breasts to prove that they didn't have plastic surgery. And this was on air. I remember this. And then, then later, I think in 2016, he brought them back when they were still married to Doug Hutchison on Celebrity Marriage Boot Camp. Yeah, and that just shows what a creep he is. Like, and yeah. like, yeah, it, it was such a like mass grooming, like that the public did to Courtney Stodden. And it was so bizarre looking back that like, a 16 year old everyone was like well they're married i guess that means it's okay (laughs) it was very very weird their parents signed a waiver i know for anyone like if anyone's new and like wants to hear more about courtney sodden and um what i would say is their redemption arc that's currently happening um i did an episode with laura danger on the patreon um that you can buy a few months back but yeah dr drew sunk his (laughs) sunk his little cause into courtney Um, multiple times and I'm just seeing things like that makes me feel so grossed out but also I guess a little bit of hope for today's world that 
that was only 2011. And I would argue that we've made a lot of progress since then. Yeah. I mean, I saw on your notes, like the, his podcast that had been listed, ask Dr. Drew, dose of Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew after dark, swole patrol. (laughs) And I said to myself, I have to check in on these. So this morning I did do a quick little listen of Dr. Drew after dark and swole patrol. Um, Dr. Drew after dark, the snippet I chose uh, was extremely disturbing. He had a comedian on and the comedian was talking about how he used to uh, fake an a-, a latex allergy so he could have sex with women without a condom by saying he was allergic and then thinking really hard about this time he saw his grandma's boobs so that he'd lose his erection and he would prove to her like, see, as soon as the as soon as the condom touches me, I lose my erection because I'm allergic. And Dr. Drew was like, wow, this guy's figured it all out. <laughs> like he has the grossest, like red pill type guys on there. He's just like them. Like he doesn't say like the, the things that are as bad as what they're saying, but obviously he's standing by what they're saying. Cause he's putting them on his show. And then he's I giving like, them a platform and he's listening back to the footage and thinking, yeah, that's perfect. And then I listened to Swole Patrol because I was like, wait a minute, is Dr. Drew swole? (laughs) Is Dr. Drew jacked? Like, I didn't know that he worked out like that. Um, So then I had to look up photos of him shirtless. And like, he he does have some guns. Like, his body is probably better than average of a 60-year-old man. (laughs) But this podcast is just two guys being like oh my gosh when I eat like a donut like I crave donuts for like a week after and so like oh my god (laughs) being like but like the thing is though is that you have to like eat a lot of carbs but then stop and then you go to the gym like it's so stupid it's like himbos like with the eating disorder with like undiagnosed eating disorders like like sharing their thoughts and like their alpha male like game regime it's so and it's like this guy thinks he is an expert in anything he's like oh a a sex show yeah i'll be there oh a show about working out and being jacked yeah i'll be there a show about disturbed people with addictions and sex addictions yeah i'm there like i know about it all you guys i can fix a marriage i can like do anything I understand the human psyche and that's what you need to know. And that is like all encompassing. Okay. I'm so Sam, I like, I, uh, tip my hat to you because when I listed those podcasts, I thought that that was part of his production company. Like I didn't think he was posting school patrol. I just thought that that was like, it was on his website. So I listed it, but I thought that was like shows that he like promoted. I, he no, he's part of the patrol. Like I am the leader of the patrol, the small patrol, <laughs> and I want to share all the things I learned on Reddit this week with you guys. Like, <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Yeah, and that's why he's—that's why I call him the thirstiest. Like because he truly, like he has never turned down an opportunity in his life. Commenting on people's tragic deaths in the news like shortly thereafter Anna Nicole Smith Heath Ledger Michael Jackson it's Which really just, unsavory it's unsavory to say the least and it just like really gives you like an idea of when like articles like are reporting on pop culture and they're like we consulted a doctor on this 
fucking Dr. Drew being like, yeah, of course I'll do an interview. Like, that's really sad. It looks like things were not going well for them. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, yeah, no kidding. Like, um, yeah, he competed in season two of The Masked Singer as Eagle, (laughs) the character named Eagle. Of course he did. Um, Which made me think of like, um, the fact that Ru- Rudy Giuliani appeared on that show. And I kind of feel like him and Rudy Giuliani give me like the same energy. Yeah. It's like, it's just this really pervasive, like flop energy that they both have. Like once kind of like somewhat esteemed and now just like, yeah, give me the mic. Like I'll, I'll talk. No problem. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, just a couple more of his like, um, fun facts. <laughs> Yeah, fun facts. Um, he was the voice of 1-800-GET-THIN, advocating lap band surgery on radio ads and a recording play for those who called 1-800-GET-THIN. You're, like, worried about your body. You, call, you like, listen to this. You call the line. You, like, get his voice once again. Be like, you're here, queen. Like, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, lap band surgery. It's so interesting. Like, I've heard this in the news creeping up lately that there's apparently like a new form of it that you can get more easily or something. And some people are saying that Kim and Chloe have had it and that's why they've suddenly like become so, so thin and like lap band surgery might be like wildly on the rise in the next 10 years as like replacing the BBL. Well, that's what they warned us about when early 2000s fashion came back in. And I thought we could push through and and not bring that back, but it looks like, nope. Mm. the kardashians are wasting away in front of our eyes so that looks like that's going to set the tone unfortunately um he yeah um dr drew appeared with his dogs in a PETA ad campaign promoting the spaying and neutering of pets um side note i'm gonna put my tin hat on and i'm just i feel like PETA is sponsored by the meat industry that's my conspiracy theory that i have no evidence for um, but I've always been suspicious of them. They've always advocated for like the weirdest causes, like that just aren't like they've always um advocated for like things like fur, where it's like they put all their time and energy into fur, but it's like leather is way more common and how many people are wearing fur compared to like everyday, like most of us have something leather on us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I- I, I'm sorry. I'm just taking that in. I, I thought you were right on board. I just threw a left. I, I think he does a very sus organization. Like, I don't think they're like a reputable organization at all. Their tactics are weird. Yeah. Throwing paint on models wearing fur. It makes no sense. How does that help animals? Um, I think they're really bizarre, but do they, do they work for the meat lobby? I, I don't know. <laughs> not work for the lobby but like there's just something amiss like there's just yeah I think there there's something that feels like fake about them like they might be like just a a attack shelter or whatever yeah like and and they just say things that like they know are going to be controversial it's like yeah they love controversy why are you you focusing on like native people in the arctic like hunting seals when you could be talking about like people just eating meat every day in the supermarket yeah, and they were also obsessed with like um, you know, blackfish. 
as we remember the infamous commercial that Sheena Shea, Ariana, and Lala did where they painted their full bodies as though they were killer whales and did a PETA commercial. Oh my God. I forgot about that. And it's like, yeah, this is horrible. Like we do want to free the whales, but like there is only a handful of whales even in captivity. And like, you know, it's an important cause, but like they're a big organization and they could maybe be doing something a little more focused. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, if you really care about the animals, like maybe focus on like mainstream things that are occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could be lobbying for like changes in regulations that will like have huge impacts, you know, once you're an organization of that size, but anyway. Anyhow. Yeah. They just had a lot of like naked celebrities in the 2010s. Yes. Lobbying for like weird causes. Yeah. I'd rather go naked than wear fur. Yes. Yes. Anyhow. um, (laughs) Dr. Drew appeared on multiple episodes of Frenemies, which I'm so sad that that ended. Um, I loved Frenemies. I loved the (laughs) back and forth of Trisha Paytas and Ethan Klein. Um, It was always like a delicate, (laughs) a a delicate balance, but sadly um, did not stay on air. Um, And yeah, he's just, I mean, the list of places he's uh, appeared on go on and on. Um, but, um, this is like, this is something that I guess of all the like douchey things he said on his many podcasts, this is one that kind of like made, um, headlines got him in controversy. I mean, not enough to, (laughs) not enough to actually affect him, but like, basically this is like, this gives you like a real insight into his mind in my view. Um, a man called in to seek advice on how to deal with his fiance's medical issues and he said that his fiance was suffering from endometriosis, um, internal cystitis, and a lack of stomach lining. And before he could like go on, Dr. Drew interrupted him and uh, trigger warning. He was like, the, these are what we call sort of functional disorders. Everything you mentioned are things that aren't actually discernibly pathological. They're sort of what we call garbage bag disorders when you can't think of anything else. And you go, eh, well, it's that. Um, so it makes me question why she's so somatically preoccupied that she's visiting doctors all the time with pains. He goes on and on. And then he says, that makes me wonder, was she sexually abused growing up? <laughs> that like he called in about her medical issues, like not about anything else. And he's like, Oh, endometriosis. Well, <laughs> is she a liar? Um, and then he's like, well, yeah, she did experience abuse. And he's like, oh, see, yep. Um, when people have unexplained pain, particularly pelvic pain, it's called somatic, somatoform dissociation, blah, blah, blah. Like he just, he goes on and basically says that she needs to see a trauma specialist, not a doctor. <sighs> sounds like she needs both. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like she needs both. And it's like, okay, you can have, uh, I'm not saying, like there, there is a mind-body connection, of course, but like, someone coming in for like a complaint about something like it is your job as a professional to like address that issue I guess not on the freaking call-in show love line with Dr. Drew but like (laughs) just that that's like where he goes and it's like it just seems like all these men are like their biggest info is Sigmund Freud Mm -hmm. yeah like did she want to sleep with her father or what because sounds endometriosis isn't real we all know that yeah they're very very gross uh god i hope nobody ever trusts them with their medical history again 
Well, considering how many podcasts he has, like I think there are enough people calling in, but I don't know. It, I think if you're consulting Dr. Drew, like you're also getting your news from Facebook, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did send you a pic of um, something that he sells on his website, which is a Dr. Drew collectible bobblehead. Thank you for including that special pic. And you'll notice that his guns are highlighted in there. He's very, very proud of his arms. Yeah, he's so proud of it. He made a whole show about it. <laughs> and oh he poses like he poses like, you know, when like they cross their arms and they kind of like use their thumbs to like kind of push them, push them forward. The buys show the alpha ladies. Male alpha yeah. male. Yeah. Alpha, male. Alpha, alpha things only. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. Well, we did it, fam. We made it to the end oh my god of these unsavory characters yeah of like our, the axis of evil <laughs> it totally our supersized axis of evil episode <laughs> <laughs> our supersized pseudo doctor extravaganza yeah proud of learn? us I, <laughs> I learned even more fear men don't trust them <laughs> yeah yeah don't trust any men and um and you know even our lord and savior oprah sometimes has had missteps true yeah well sammy <laughs> it's an exciting day yeah. um and i'm proud of us as well okay okay well till next time till next time all right guys that's it for today don't forget to subscribe leave me a review heck leave a five-star review while you're at it follow me on instagram it's become a whole thing and tiktok and i'll see you next week au revoir mes amours